Thank you for listening to this episode of The Common Sense Show. Just so you know, this is part one of a three-part series that I'm doing on cash flow. And I had Jody Grunden from Summit CPA on the show to talk about cash flow. They have virtual CFO services, which you'll hear in today's episode. I just wanted to let you know that this is part one of a three-part series. All right, enjoy the episode. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of The Common Sense Show, and I'm Micah, and I'm excited today because I get to speak to someone I've actually been looking forward to speaking to for a while, and he has revolutionized, in my opinion, the accounting um, industry, Um, but not just how he does and delivers the accounting, but also just how he sees it work against how it used to work. And so one of my one of the things that I'm always into is, of course, is building businesses that are both effective and have good um, ideas about how they work and how they run and, and that are innovative. Because if you create faster than someone, someone else can copy you, then you have a good formula for success. So um, I'd like to introduce you to Jody Grunden. But before I do, let me give you a swoosh and then I'll bring him in. All right, so Jody co-founded Summit CPA Group in 2002, which merged with Anders CPA and Advisors in 2022. Uh, Summit, now a division of Anders, was the first fully distributed accounting firm as the leading provider of virtual CFO services in North America. Summit provides professional virtual CFO services for over 100 companies across the United States, helping business owners deep dive deep into financial side of their business to maximize profits, minimize taxes, and increase cash flow. He's speaking my language. <laughs> Jody is an industry, industry speaker and a published author, and he literally wrote the book on helping digital companies create a financial roadmap to success. Digital dollars and cents, easy for me to say. Jody, welcome <laughs> to the show. Yeah, thanks, Micah, for having me. Awesome. So I have um, a ton of questions because... I'm curious, but I, I like your approach. First of all, virtual CFO services. For a small business owner, are virtual CFO services out of the realm of attainability? At what point should a, a, a business be thinking about a virtual CFO? Yeah, so that's a great question. Uh, I get that quite often, actually. So th- there's a, there's many different levels of services, right? So you've got your back-end accounting services, which are more transactional in nature, like you've got someone paying your bills or doing invoicing or payroll processing or something like that. And then you've got somebody that uh, is responsible for actually making sure your financial statements are accurate so that you can present them to a bank, an investor, you know, that type of thing. And so those are what we call the accounting um, 101 or historical stuff. You know, that's what accountants have always done and have done really well over the years. And I would say a business should have somebody like that from 
you know, really maybe, you know, maybe three or $400,000 up to about a million dollars in revenue. So that's why I would say that, that that's where they should actually kind of focus their time and energy on, on that right there. Just making sure everything is cleaned up. And the reason why the business owners heavily involved at that point, and they need to be a, a big part of that just so they understand how their business actually runs. Uh, once they get to that million dollar mark, I think that's when they really should start looking and make and having having somebody on their team that can kind of help them get to that next level. And that's where we start seeing that uh, folks will come on uh, with the virtual CFO service level. And I would say on average, I'd say a million dollars we see on the low end. And then it, it grows to about three million to five million dollars. You know, it, it's a definite at that point uh, where they need somebody that kind of really guide them, you know, through it, you know, creating a dynamic forecast really help them do some modeling, you know, so that, and I don't mean the fashion modeling, I mean, you know, financial modeling, right? And so they're kind of helping you, um, you know, hey, how does the price increase impact my cash position in six months? You know, if I give raises to my team, what does that mean? You know, you know, all, all the different things that people are typically just kind of guessing, you know, that's where the, the CFO really, really helps out. And, and unfortunately, even at a million dollars or $5 million, most firms can't afford to spend, you know, $250,000 plus for a CFO to be on staff. And that's where a virtual CFO concept really, really kind of helps that out. So it allows the, the small business owner to enjoy what all companies, you know, large companies across the, across the world have, you know, a CFO team on staff. So I talk a, a lot about to, to small business owners, of course, around the mm -hmm. world in general. Yep. And it's, basically the focus that in entrepreneurship of this of this channel this podcast and i talk a lot about maximizing profits trying mm -hmm. to minimize taxes increase cash flow financial upside all the stuff that you guys um you pitch yep. um at uh, at summit and what are some of the most glaring when you when, after you've onboarded a new a new customer what are some of the most glaring mistakes that are affecting cash flow with businesses that you see you know, I would say the biggest mistake is a lot of times they take the wrong approach. They think that they've got to drain their cash at the end of every year to to, to not have to pay as much taxes. And, and that is by far the, 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 the wrong thing to do. Uh, yeah, you want to minimize your taxes, but you don't want to do it at the uh, at the detriment of your company. And, and so we tell our, we tell everybody that you should have at least 10% of your annualized revenue in the bank at all times. So real easy math, right? So if you're a $300,000 company, 30 grand in the bank. If you're a $3 million company, $300,000 in the bank. So it's real, real quick math. And there's actually some, there's a, a real long formula that goes to prove that out, but that's just something that everybody can kind of mentally do. And, and that's the, the lowest amount. Now, I don't mean to have that in an operating account, you know, not making any money, just kind of sitting around. You should always have about two paychecks in the bank in your operating account, or maybe two cycles of a credit card, if that's your biggest expense. And then the rest of it should be in an interest-bearing account, whether that's a uh, interest-bearing savings account, earning you know one, two, three percent interest, or you know something that's very liquid. And then uh, the third account you should always have is your your tax account, you know, because again, taxes are something that you're going to pay if you're as you know as as profitable as you are. So you should have a really good idea what your tax situation is throughout the entire year, setting money aside into that account, and then paying that out you know, throughout the year, your, your, you know, your estimated payments and that then you should have that dollar amount in there. So it's always kind of out of sight, out of mind. So you're never surprised right. or, or you don't use that money elsewhere. So I, I would say the fact that most, most businesses do not have a, a, an operating account. They don't have, they don't have a cash reserve account earning interest. And then they don't have another account, which is kind of set aside for taxes are the, the three big ones. But the, the overall big one is they typically don't have cash in the bank. 
And, and uh, you know, with, with our clients, our clients average about 15% in the bank, which yep. if you do the math, 10% is two months of expenses for a service-based company, mm-hmm. 30% is six months. So you want somewhere between that 10 uh, percent to 20 or 30 percent which is like two to six months of expenses what is the mindset typically that you've uncovered as to the reason why these business owners utilize essentially all the cash flow is it just a lack of organization no it's a lack of focus uh, they, they they don't know what that end goal is and so you know like when we tell people that hey you should have like 10 percent in the bank you know for those that have maybe three or four percent are barely getting by they're like yeah, I kind of wish I had that kind of money in the bank, you know, mm-hmm. you know, duh, that's why I'm here, <laughs> you know, that, right. that type yeah. of thing, you know, and it's like, well, it's because you didn't, you didn't put a dynamic forecast in place. You didn't create the forecast based on real numbers, you know, based on things that you can achieve. Like if you're a repair shop, let's say you're a truck repair shop, semi truck repair shop type of thing. Well, you should, you should know exactly how many trucks you need to come in every single month. You should mm-hmm. know the average that you're going to repair for those trucks in the time that it takes to get that done. So you should be able to create a forecast based on the trucks coming in, which then equates to a revenue number, right? Mm-hmm. And then you should be able to back into the expense and then back into your overall. So you should know exactly where you're planning. And so when I come to an owner and say, hey, let's build that 10% and let's get it done within a year, year and a half, and here's how we're going to do it. The owner can, can, can see exactly the path now. They can see right. the goal and they, you know, they go right to it. You know, it's, it's no different than... You know, you know when, I, when I say forecasting, it's no different than like the GPS on a car, right? You, right. You're, you're in Indiana and you want to go to Florida. Well, you know, you could go south and you're eventually going to hit Florida at some point, right? You're going to hit the ocean right. and you're going to figure it out. Uh, that's kind of what the typical business owner does. You mm-hmm. know, they, they, they know how to get there. They'll eventually figure it out. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. if you have a GPS there that kind of guides you in, shows you where the road construction's at, moves you around the road constructions, shows you, what, you know, all the different things that are going on. In the, in the in the bumps in the roads that are going to happen on that on that way to Florida, you get there a lot quicker, and you always you tend to you tend to get there, right? <laughs> and that's right. kind of that's kind of the key is they don't have that forecast. It's kind of helping them guide the ship. You know, it's um. Let's talk about forecasting uh, for a minute because what I what I've noticed is with the business there there are hundreds of thousands of businesses in the U.S. Maybe mm-hmm. a couple million, right? Of small businesses, yep. um, and oftentimes a lot of the the terminology that's used in economics and in MBA in graduate school are things that business owners are doing. They just don't connect the terminology with the action. And, sure. but they're already kind of doing it in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the resources, for instance, that, that you've seen that have worked out that are simple that business owners and entrepreneurs can use to, understand the terminology with the action that they're putting in place. Um, Investopedia is one, is, is one website that, that uh, is a, is a pretty, um, a pretty like, like lethal tool in terms of getting up to speed with terminology all the way up to MBA graduate level concepts mm-hmm. with explanatory videos. But is there something that you've used to educate business owners? Yeah. Uh, another great question. Uh, you mentioned Investopedia. That's actually our go-to when it comes to, Hey, here, here, before starting an engagement, if you want to get caught up on terms, here it is. Um, but in the same sense, we, we as CFOs don't use terms, you know, so we're not going to wow you with all the cool knowledge and terminology uh, vernacular that, you know, that we've learned in, you know, MBA school and all that kind of stuff. You know, we try to, yeah. we try to make it so that everybody understands because it, it doesn't do us any good to wow you. We want to make sure that we're on your team and, and we're, we're actually talking the talk that you understand. So, like, like, for instance, we could be talking about, hey, 
uh, your your churn rate in, in regard to the number of trucks that you're you're bringing through is low. It's like, well, you know, hey, why not just say, hey, the the amount of trucks is a lot lower than what you thought it was. Right. So if if we can break it down so that we're talking the same language, and that's one of the big things that I learned when when starting Summit was to you know, make it so that everybody, we're on the same plane. You know, I, I never yeah. want to be talking down to somebody. And so uh, the vernacular is not as important to us as the understanding. And and and, and because we're meeting with clients on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. they they, under, they start to understand pretty quickly, you know, so they don't need, to, they, they kind of go through an MBA program really yeah. in that first year with us because they're meeting with us and going through stuff all the time, but we're really kind of helping them, you know, walk the walk. Awesome. And if you're watching this, um, obviously, if you're watching this on replay or on demand, we're listening to this on the podcast, you can't do this. But if you're watching this live and you have questions for Jody, um, just put them in the uh, the comment section of YouTube or, or uh, Facebook, wherever you're watching this on, and we'll see if we can have them answer it. But so, so getting back to this, so forecasting is a crucial element mm-hmm. to long-term financial success and viability for businesses, mm-hmm. primarily because it tells you how much money are likely to have um, Ceteris paribus, right? If all other things are held, con- all other factors are held constant and nothing changes, like how much money will I have at the end of the, the rainbow, mm-hmm. right? Um, if, if, if everything goes according to my plans. Um, so how, how can a business owner actually start forecasting on a simplified level, mm-hmm. like now, like what kind of tips can you give for forecasting? Like the easy, the, uh, mm-hmm. the forecasting for dummy version. Yeah, no, that sounds great. So forecasting for dummies, and we, we kind of tell all of our CFOs, basically this is how we tell our, our CFOs, here's how you teach somebody how to do forecasting. You know, it, the, the first thing is you have to identify the, the the metrics that actually make the world go around, meaning what drives the revenue in your business? What drives net income? And, and so is it, you know, like I mentioned before, trucks, is it trucks coming through? Well, how many trucks do you think you're going to have come through? And so I would take an Excel spreadsheet, Dial it 12 months out there and, and put down, hey, what historically, how many trucks have I historically had come through January through December, you know, five in this month, 10 in this month, and then kind of look back and say, is that a normal thing or not a normal thing? And, and then I would take and say, you know what, how much did I get from each of those trucks? So I just had five, let's say it's $80,000 a truck, you know, just throwing a number out there. Mm-hmm. And so then I now I've got a revenue number. And so that's 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 going to be the key thing there, that revenue number. And then 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 I'm looking for all the direct costs associated with it. You know, what's my materials typically typically run for a typical truck? Is it 50 percent? Is it 75 percent? Is it 20 percent? You know, what is that? And then I look at my direct labor. You know, what type of direct labor has my team, my existing team? Did they manage that last year or do I need to add folks? And, and so then I'm getting into all those direct costs. And so the first thing is predicting that revenue, because that's the biggest part of the forecast and then any direct costs associated with that revenue. Once I've got that dialed in, then on a month-to-month basis, I'm going to look and see what are my administrative costs, what are my marketing costs, and what are my facility costs. Those are the three buckets that we tell people to jumble everything into outside of your, your main costs. And so, you know, that administrative cost might be an office manager that you might have. It might be, um, you know, somebody that's not involved in the production process. Maybe it's the owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the marketing costs are going to be your, your biz dev team, your marketing team, any kind of advertising you're using, you know, it's going to be their all in cost. So if you've got a, an employee in there, make sure that you've got the cost of the employee, any kind of burden, which are the benefits that they might have, 401k, all that kind of stuff. And then any right. really, any costs associated with the marketing and then facilities, pretty simple. If you're brick and mortar, 
then you've got like rent or you know you know real estate taxes insurance you know repairs all the upkeep you have for your facility and so you break all those out there and so then now you've got them all broken out mm-hmm. and you've got it extrapolated over a period of time you've got it all matched up uh, you should be able to get a pretty good idea uh, on the cash side now it's not going to be yeah. perfect on the cash side your your, your net income is not going to equal cash all the time but it's mm-hmm. going to be relatively close and you know the, the factors that could influence that would be how quickly you get your collections of your your you know your payments and and you know all, all that kind of stuff how quickly you invoice clients do you get paid right away you know that that's a really big factor in cash and, and then the other thing is is what kind of debts are you going to actually you're paying down so cash isn't going to really be 100 percent on that number but that'll give you a good number to base things on and when you when you look at that bottom line number, that number should be for a service based company should be no less than ten percent. Mm. Um, it should be closer to fifteen to twenty five percent. So when you do your modeling, you know, kind of look down there and say, hey, is that number big enough? Yeah. And you know, it, it's kind of funny because we talk about uh, service based companies and, and you know all the different industries out there. Um, you know, some industries think, well, hey, I can't be less. You know, my industry is at five percent. There's no way I'm going to make ten percent. Well. There is a way. You just kind of figure it out. You know, right. what, what, what do you have to do to get it to that number? And, and so once you've got that 10% and above number, let's say it's 15%, now you've got something to really kind of base things on. Now, mm-hmm. the, the key to a forecast is once you've created it, and let's say you build it out in Excel and you created it and you're thinking, this is pretty cool. Don't just leave it there. Don't look at it next year. <laughs> don't look at it six months from now and say, oh, yeah. Right. I was way off in that forecast. Huh? How could I, you know, how could I have made that mistake? Yeah, that sucked. How did I get, I was here. How did I get here? Yeah, exactly. That's that's awful. It's awful. Who did this? That's exactly right. So you got to look at it every single month. Uh, Look at it every single month and make changes to it. You know, so, you know, because a forecast isn't static, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. something you compare from one to the next. It's dynamic. It's always changing, right? And so, you know, you know that, hey, based on what we've got, I had five trucks planned and, in March, you know, guess what? I've got my inventory backup is so big. I've got 10 trucks. I'm yep. going to get 10 through there. Make that change. So now mm-hmm. we've got 10. And so now we know what our new cash position is going to look like. Or maybe yeah. it went the other way. Maybe you had two. And now we're like, oh, my gosh, the cash position is going to look really bad at that, you know, at the end, at the end, at the end of the stay there. So, you know, you've got to kind of really look at that, model it. And so you can make really solid business decisions because it's really easy to make a change in March that's going to affect November than it is to make a change in November that's going to affect November. You know, you know yeah, if, if you're a small business, so, so one of the things I actually started doing this year, which I didn't do before, and I'm going to be honest about this, I didn't do it before, but I did start doing it this year, was I put a projected column on my P&L. Mm-hmm. So before it was just live numbers on the P&L, which is, yep. which is fine. It's perfectly yep. acceptable. Mm-hmm. Nobody would argue. Most people would just be impressed that I had one. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would too. <laughs> <laughs> but but I I included a um a whole column just for projected projected uh-huh. because you can use your P and L your profit and loss how much money you're coming in less mm-hmm. cost of goods sold if you're a manufacturer or whatever yep. um and and your other my fixed costs and I can I can then measure one against the other as the month goes through mm-hmm. without having a bunch of additional um Excel Excel sheets. That mm-hmm. are, are forecasting sheets. You can forecast right to your P and L. Yep. I'm sure if you're a CFO, it's probably something that you would use more closely. But um, but yeah. So since I started doing that, it actually is actually really nice because it it helps you to re-establish your forecast, and you mm-hmm. can go back. You can go back to your master sheet 
with those actuals because mm -hmm. those are those are live goal numbers, but yep. they're not actual numbers, right? So they're better for your forecasting in the sense that they make adjustments to the to the other subsequent months of your mm -hmm. financials, but they're they're just as important to have as your um as in my opinion as your actual numbers. What do you think about that? Oh, 100% agree because that's what we do every month, right? So we take all the actual numbers there. Life hits us in the face, right? Yep. Unexpected happens. Then we mush that against what we actually have in our, our, our forecasted numbers. So we're always comparing mm -hmm. it against our forecast, you know, month mm -hmm. by month and then through the rest of the year. So as we're comparing it month by month, we're looking at it and saying, you know what? Hey, uh, hey, Micah, why is revenue only, you know, why do we only have eight trucks coming through this month versus five? You know, is that going right. to be a reoccurring thing? Or is that just a one-off thing? And so, mm -hmm. you know, as you're thinking through your head, you're looking at it and say, yeah, that's actually a one-off thing. Or So not, not a big deal. We're not going to make any changes in our forecast. Right. You know, or you might say it's a, re a real thing. And it's like, well, then we need to make some modifications. So I hope you enjoyed part one of the episode with Jody Grunden. Stay tuned next week for part two of our three-part series on cash flow. I'll talk to you then. Have a great weekend or day or week. Talk to you later. Bye.